Hello and welcome to the Acolytes of Merlin. Today we will be continuing our discussion about the Rhythm of War, the book, fourth book of the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, this will be our second episode on the topic. We are your hosts, John. And Johnny. And, and we are joined once again by our friends, Tim and Aaron. Excellent. All right, so um, we left off last time uh, going over di the different characters, um, and I think we want to wrap up about that a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. I know that uh, Johnny's boy, uh, Kaladin, needs a little more attention. So um, what, what more... Um, are we looking at with Kaladin? He has a, a couple more important turning points in this book. Yes, uh, he. I don't. I. I, I, I don't think he needs more time in the book, but we do need to talk about him more. <laughs> uh, so uh, the first one I want to talk about is the dog and the dragon, which is the story that Wit tells Kaladin. Uh, which now that scene, there's some crazy things going on where basically Kaladin is in a he's on break, he's basically in kind of cognitive role or I think more spiritual role, maybe braze like where damnation, where like odium is, is like is. Um, and I think that that's either my second. Uh, either my second favorite or my favorite uh, wit story. So yeah, so wit song story to Kaladin. I did. I, I I did cry at the end of this because I I think it's I think it's a really important message that we can't and we shouldn't try to become other people and expect to kind of succeed at doing that because we are not other people <laughs> and but uh kind of realizing what we uh, kind of what we what our strengths are and what we can get from those strengths uh and what we can give to other people with those strengths uh because obviously the punchline is that the dog is not going to become a dragon but the dog, ha but the dog has, as the dog says to himself, I doubt any dragon ever had it so good anyway. All right, Johnny, but I'm going to uh, completely contradict what you just said, because the sibling told Navani she was never going to be a bondsmith. I don't know the sibling would even said, like, nope, I am not bonding you. But nevertheless, she persisted. So that dog, even though that dog was told you'll never be a dragon, is the lesson, oh, well, I mean, if everyone's turning to you saying, like, look, it is impossible for this to happen. If someone in authority, someone in charge of making decisions says, I will never make this decision in your favor, should you just say, okay, then I, I guess that's the way the world works. Um, I don't think that I, I will push back in that I don't think that wit is... I think that he's talking about more of an internal conflict when you are trying to decide the type of person that you want to be. 
and you are and you're making kind of more and you're more making that choice yourself as opposed to kind of without with like i don't think what's addressing the uh the external pressures per se um or like structural things but i see your I, point i actually yeah. think it's both i think it's both because um there's there's both the lesson of you know you don't have to the world is not defined by other people's expectations of yourself. Um, you know, you have everything within you to kind of do these impossible things. But at the same time, um, is this story, does this story have two endings? Yes. I remember? Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. uh, because I, the one that I remember the most was, and the dog went to bed crying that he was not a dragon, even after he just saved this child from falling in the, you know, that was trapped in the well um, by doing these dragon-like things. Like you have the things within you, but at the same time, um, don't define yourself by your own expectations. Like uh, there's, there's, um, yeah, there's, there's so much more to you than outside and internal um, conflicts. And, and, and I think both are represented very well. In this story, and there's a lot relatable in, in this in this story as well. I, um, yeah, that's a better take than I had. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I like the yeah, I I agree with that. And so. I guess it's a question of what um, obstacle is in your path, whether it's um, your own um, excuse me, your own internal uh, restrictions and and maybe lies that you're telling yourself, um, or um, if that is uh, something being, like, as you said, imposed on you from somebody else. Um, either way, um, you have to uh, shift either of them aside to get at what, what, who and what you really are. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a more succinct, yeah, that's a pretty more succinct version, but yes. Say what I liked about... Um, that scene was um was the portrayal of you say it's 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 at least like braze it's it's at least um a vision of of some kind of damnation for 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 certainly for kaladin where uh they take the thing that is most um freeing of him from his own inner demons the wind and turns it completely against him and because it's because it starts with the yes. wind hated him and so it's like, oh yeah, he's got nothing right now. He's he 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 can only um, rely on what he can bring to his own situation. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a that's a good point about the wind. Uh, I do think he actually is on Braze, though. Not not like physically, but I I do think that is Braze. I mean, Odium definitely has the capability of putting that mental image in his head. Yeah. Yes. Uh. Well, well, speaking of head stuff, then, um, do you guys think that Kaladin is aware, and if he is, is it even significant, it, that he's aware that he's being manipulated by Wit? Uh, because I think Wit is trying to encourage him. 
But what he even said, and I think he said it to Dalinar, I can't remember who, where he's just like, yeah, I would see Roshar burn to the ground to meet at my ends. I'd be sad about it, but I would still see this planet burn yes. to the ground to meet my ends. So even though he wants Kaladin to succeed, he's still manipulating him because he wants what, wants what he wants. So do you think Kaladin is able to recognize that he's being manipulated, or does he just think Wit's trying to encourage me and trying to give me internal strength? I don't think he's in a position to really care okay. because, yes. of, because of everything that he's going through. He's just like, he, he's, a, he's a life raft in, in Braze. So he's like, yeah, what, what, give me something. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yeah. I, yep, I, I don't think that he would be aware. I also don't think that he's one of the people in particular that Hoyt is manipulating, per se. Uh, like, I... Plus, go ahead, Aaron. Plus, you know, Wit loves telling stories, and the fact that Kaladin keeps asking Wit to tell him stories, you know, Wit's obviously going to oblige. I mean, it's obviously going to be an appropriate story for what Wit wants. But, you know, if Kaladin wants a story, I mean, Wit's not going to deny him that. Yeah, and this, yeah. So I don't think that, yeah. Wit's motivations are very much a mystery. We know he doesn't like Ray's, um, or, well, like, R-A-Y-S-E, not Bray's. Uh, uh, or he doesn't like Bray's either. But, so or he Bray's. Yes. But... I don't think yeah, I, I don't think he's manipulating Kaladin in particular in that situation. Because I do think but um but and, and even if he were, I don't think Kaladin would, like John said, be in a position to care or even think about that manipulation, because Kaladin can be a very one track mind. <laughs> yes. Um and he yeah, he has to um get away away from that scenario and he and lift heals him so he kind of does but that i have to admit i kind of expected there to be more of a catharsis but there wasn't because that came later yes and yeah boy did it come later yeah yeah that was that was something else so um, with the fourth ideal so is this, this is where we're going now yep yeah, yeah. So, it's funny. Tim and you had made this prediction like before reading the book, and I was cagey about it because I like didn't want to spoil it. But you thought you were like, "Oh, he's going to say the fourth ideal." Yeah, and yeah. I I think that was probably like going into it. I figured he was like that was one of the things I think was fairly evident was going to happen in this book. But it's such a good scene. Oh yeah, I I was like, yeah, that's that's going to happen. I didn't know in what situation it was going to be. I didn't know mm-hmm. what the idea was going to be, but that it was going to be said. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, be, like it's yeah. That's, well, and, and I I think as as like a character building, it it's a, such a huge moment, both uh, metaphorically, but then also plot wise, a, a moment of humility for Kaladin because. Kaladin, like the entire series, is um, it has a sense of arrogance of no one else but me can do this. Yes, I have mm-hmm. to be the one to protect everyone. If, mm-hmm. if it's not me, then who else? And for him to say, like, it, it, it's not so much um, acknowledging that he can't protect everyone. It's also an acknowledgement that he can't do. He can't be everything for everyone. 
And yes. I think in more above and beyond just the, the Windrunner ideals, it's, it's a moment of clarity for him and a moment of him acknowledging his limitations. And I think in acknowledging his limitations and knowing what his boundaries are, he's able to, and I'm excited to see what happens in book five, able to hone in on his strengths even more and accentuate those strengths even more because he's not trying to overextend himself. That's yeah. a great point. That's a really good point. As far as book five goes, I think that that's going to play really well into his buddy cop show with Zeth. Yeah. That <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think that's... I think that will help him a lot uh, in recognizing where he can and can't do things uh, and when he just has to, yeah, accept, <laughs> accept what he can't do. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think it's also important that it was his dad that he saves. Uh, also, the image, okay, so the image of kind of like of him of, or a figure jumping off the t- a tower, the tower into darkness and rising up in the of light was one of the first images that like Brandon ever had for the series, like probably back in the 90s when he was like conceiving it. So that was the scene that he he imagined. Okay, because he was yes. always uh, he would he brought that up in the introduction, and I was wondering what was that that was going to be. Yes. Yeah, like it is because I th- I thought it would be kind of like a big like something more like we chose or kind of a bigger like plot type of thing, but it but no it's 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 which I I think the point being that like the uh, the th- a theme of the series is people going and going through darkness and rising above it, oh, or, yeah. or 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 past it or through it. Um, Images are what come up at the beginning of story conception. Yeah. Now, it's not so much plot points because those are certainly for him, those weren't formed yet. So, so much right. that wasn't. Right. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking then of, of images and of him saving his father, you know, we, we should probably start talking about other characters for sake of time. But like, so the person he wasn't able to say, so, so Taft. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and speaking yeah. of images, the, the thing that really struck me was when Teft regains consciousness and Teft is like, oh, no, I I went on another bender. I, yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I disappointed. Like, my friends are probably rallying. They're probably taking care of me and they're probably upset with me, but I'm more upset with myself. And I'm going to make it up to them. And like, you know what? I acknowledge that I, I had a low moment, but all I can do is pick myself up and, 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 and continue on and tell myself, I'm not going to let this happen again. Yeah. And then he's just like, wait, nope, you're okay. That didn't happen. But for him to immediately think that happened, I think is very realistic. And I think mm-hmm. it's very, um, yeah. you know, um, true to people who do have addiction. Um, but then for him to be like, immediately thinking the compassionate route of I let down my friends and, and not being selfish, I think really shows his growth. And I think that scene was just remarkable of, of him still being able to be disappointed in himself, but not indulge in self-hate. Yeah. Which, which shows that he embraced the, the, um, the third ideal though. I cannot, I, I would like, even though it's a hate, I would like, uh, even though it's a hate, even if the one I hate is myself. 
uh, and kind of shows him actually acting on, so to speak, the wind like the windrunner thing, mm-hmm. windrunner ideas. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh. so so that is um that was a, that was a rough and that and that cuz he he was um very very full. He was he was um set up leading up to his death as a um as someone very integral to Kaladin. Um and that's always something that a writer is going to do if if they're leading up to a death. Um they're going to make them seem indispensable. But this di- this felt earned. This it, it didn't it didn't come out of nowhere. Um uh, with the exception of Rock, uh, Teft was the most um present for Kaladin the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so it made sense for Teft to be the one to kind of set up for slaughter. Did you yeah. guys see his death coming? I did not. I did. Oh, I, I did not. I think uh, I did not. I think it is probably the most impactful death scene I've ever read, and mostly because I think I think it's the only death scene where I've ever cried. I think because usually death scenes don't hit me, but this one is. I think it's because it's a combination of the other things that will hit me emotionally in stories. Uh, yeah, like just that line, like you can you can kill me. But you can't have what I have. You can never have it because I know that I I die knowing I'm loved. And then, oh. uh, like the well, and we and we do get a <laughs> he gives us a very heartfelt death confirmation line. The confident and somehow still full of hope, Tuft died. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> which, very m- much appreciated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with like the, with Esh and I, <laughs> uh, for this book in particular. Uh, yes, but um, and speaking of Esh and I, we have not touched on Benley at all. No, no. Who is is technically the like main character of the book, even though it's really Navani. But yeah, we, let, let's talk about Benley. He's marketed as the main character of the book. Yeah, um, but then that. That doesn't end up being the case, which is which is totally fair. That's right. totally fair move to make. So, yeah. so uh, I, I think her story was very well told. However, I I don't feel as though I learned anything new about her as a character because I already had a really great um, image of her and what she went through through the interludes of the previous books. Um, and I don't know that, that she, like, knowing her past didn't really, I, I, let, me, let me rephrase. I don't know that, that anything was illuminated about her past. I think moving forward and her future and, and her acknowledging that she's a Night Radiant, that was all amazing. And I love where that's yeah. going. But I yeah. wish that that had been earlier in the story, and we got to see more of her taking on this uncharted territory. And and I loved when uh, Lefwi was like, "Wait, you're you're not radiant. That means the Spren forgave us." And that was yes. like a whole like, "Yeah, oh, I, that I wasn't expecting that because we thought we we all thought that oh she mad right oh, she real mad." And yeah, like, like, Tamber, the, Tamber the entire time was like, tell her, tell her. And you're just thinking like, oh, no, Tamber is just wanting, wanting um, her to, wanting Venley to like be true to herself. It's like, no, no, like 
there's something more. And she's just like sweetly optimistic. Yeah. Her. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I wish that that had been done maybe two thirds through the book instead of four fifths through the book. Because I feel like there was a lot of opportunity to be had for for Venley saying like, okay, this is who I am now. Let's start exploring that, especially since this was quote unquote her book. That's yeah. Try to earn. Yeah, I just, I feel bad for Vinley in this book, uh, more from a writing perspective than anything else. Like, I wish um, we got more from her. I feel like her function um, was not only to free the bonds of some of the people in this book, but also free the bonds of the readers and kind of serve as an eye into more of the singer culture than anything else um, with some of the scenes that were in there. But I didn't really learn. And and that's the weird thing, too, is that the first three books, you know, being, I believe, Windrunner, Lightweaver, and Bondsmith, respectively, just feel so strongly connected to that. And this one is, I mean, it's there, but it doesn't, I don't, that's not the first thing I think of when I think of rhythm war. Um, and I wish there was more that we could find out about this order or her yeah. or the powers. Oh. It just didn't really feel very, no, I, like, I, it's, it's like blending into stone wards for me. And I know, I know that will shapers can travel into shades and stuff. Um, but like, I feel like I don't really know anything different about Bentley than I, like what um, Tim said, like I, that I didn't already know. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, the main, the main thing, like, the, yeah, like you guys know, said, the flashbacks aren't particularly new. I get that he, like, we saw her use cohesion, I believe it, yeah. Um, I wanted her to use transportation, which is the teleporting one that Yasna also has. Right. I think Brandon just wanted to save that from like a power perspective. But yeah, with the flashbacks, yeah, like all this stuff with Ulim was really cool. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. but that's because he's so just delightfully sinister and like just bad news, but like in a really fun to <laughs> read way. Like- He's also only so competent too. And he's mm-hmm. not like, he, he's not tough. Like, like, as soon as he gets in, like, in striking distance of Nail, he's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Who recognizes him, by the way? <laughs> like, yeah. Nail recognizes Ulim, which means, which, uh, when we get the Herald flashbacks in the back half, I'm sure it'll be super interesting to see them interacting with some of the current fused. But, yeah. anyways. Yeah. I, I found it easier to i guess i get venley now because because we we spent a lot of time with her um and uh, around her about her in words of radiance leading Mm -hmm. up to the everstorm Mm -hmm. and but we kind of got our first glimpse of her and eshenai at around the same time and Eshenai was more front and center because of her status as a shard bearer and everything. That um, I don't know what it was about the the singer sections. I 
skimmed through those a little more than the rest. Um, so, and so I was like, um, only looking at, um, not only looking at Eshenai, but mostly paying attention to her just cause I had, that was what I had the headspace for. So, um, now that, you know, Eshenai's dead and I'm reading about Venli and I know she's the one to pay attention to, I feel like I was in a better position to in- internalize and absorb her, uh, her struggles and her character. I think one thing that I noticed going off of that was I think Sanderson made a point to say, yeah, Venley really regretted this in the end, but we had that in, um, in, um, Words of Radiance, Words of Radiance when yeah. Eshonai adopts Stormtone form and then immediately is like, she had all this great power and then her, but deep inside she was screaming yeah. for, to get out. So we're like, we knew like, oh, Oh, if Eshu and I, as like the general um, of these people, um, immediately regrets her decision. And then like there were other, other subtle things throughout um, Words of Radiance where mm-hmm. like they killed, you know, all of the singers. Um, or sorry, all of the listeners. Um, and the, the fact that like they're like, wait a second, this isn't what we signed up for. I don't think we needed to see Venli have her personal regret because we already knew there was regret. Uh, so I think Sanderson maybe doted on that a little too much. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, and, and, and so then, like, as far so that, yeah, uh, and so tying into, like, the... And also, none of that really ties into the Will Shaper themes, per se. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, like... Well, okay, I, I guess the way it does is that, like, she regrets what she did and she's kind of responsible for effectively the slaughter and, in this book, more importantly, enslavement of the, of the listeners. Uh, and so she's now trying to basically free, well, both Eurotheru slash the Radiance and the listeners from the Fused. Uh, but it's even then, it still doesn't feel like that's like like freedom is supposed to be kind of like the main theme of the book uh like is that's the will shaper thing and it, it isn't to a degree with like you're they're all prisoners and you're a theory and venley is like kind of a prisoner with to the fuse those are the listeners but i still don't think it quite landed as like you said aaron like it didn't land quite as much on the Will Shaper line yeah. as, like, the other three books did with their respective orders. Um, yeah, like, like you read those and you're like, oh, I get what these orders are. Like, I get why Kaladin is, like, exactly why Kaladin's a Windrunner, and, like, why Shalon's a Lightweaver and Dalinar's a Bondsmith, but here right. I'm like, as Venli, like, like, she's a Will Shaper, but she, and she did Will Shaper things. And, and again, maybe that's and some of it was pretty cool, and like you said, the, the scene with Leshley was excellent. Yeah. But, yeah, I just don't think that it quite landed as well as like, the Will Shaver book as it could have. And it just didn't, wasn't baked into the fabric. Well, and, and so Johnny, and, and I mentioned this to you, Johnny, uh, and I think I talked about it with you, John, where it was well past the first third of the book before we had the first flashback. But I remember talking with Johnny saying, like, 
Yeah, I'm kind of surprised, or with you, John, where it's like, I'm kind of surprised he abandoned the flashback thing, because I was at page 300 and hadn't seen one yet, whereas all of the other books, the flashback was within the first 75 pages. Yeah. Um, So the flashbacks eventually came, but it seemed like, because it was in part two of of, of, um, Rhythm of War, it seemed like an afterthought, or it felt like, oh, this is the the structure of the books in this series, so I have to get to it eventually, so I'm going to pigeonhole it in. And I think that was a disservice to Venley as a character. Yeah, especially because I think, like, the next book, I would not be surprised if it went back to having flashbacks within the first 300 pages, just because I feel like that would, you know... Yeah, I... I'll, it's going to be have... ending the... Well, Go yeah. And, and maybe and maybe in the overall series, because the Will Shapers are so, uh, oh, how, how do I put this? Um, they're so um, distinctive in relation to the other orders that kind of like, there's no rhyme or reason to the Will Shapers because they're all just a bunch of like, builders and shapers of societies and freers of, you know, people and all that stuff. So they could really kind of be, and it's the most diverse order that there is. Um, And maybe this was a choice to kind of set this book apart from the other ones. Cause they're, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but. um, Talking about will shapers. um, Isn't Calic like the, the herald of the will shapers? I think he's Dustbringer, but let me double okay. search. Uh, All right, now I got to look that up. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> look, look everything up here. I have a point to make with that, if I'm correct. Uh, the Will Shaper is... Is Calic. Yes. Oh, oh you're okay. Never mind. So if this is the Will Shaper book, clearly Calic being the, the high judge of, of the honor spren, I, I feel like there's a lot of contradiction slash incomprehension with a lot of what was going on, which that might be the point mm-hmm. in so far as like the honor spren sort of losing their way. But um, if Calic is the high, is the herald of, of the Will Shapers, going back to Aaron's point, I, I didn't feel like I learned anything new about the Will Shapers. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, yeah, like, because we didn't, at least thematically, we didn't get a ton more, and we didn't, like, she used cohesion, but, like, not, like, we got more with that, but I really wanted to see transportation. <laughs> see, uh, I, I didn't so much because... We saw Yasna use it, and I mean, technically, we saw uh, Sh- Shalon use it in book one. No, um, Shalon, they're, so they're doing different things. Well, yeah, right. Because um, um, Shalon can like dip into it a bit, but she can't like, like she couldn't. Well, I don't know that we just yeah, we don't know the hard mechanics of it yet. But anyway, right. Scott. But I mean, but because we've seen transportation, um, I-, I wasn't as excited. Whereas like. We've barely seen anything with will shaping. Yeah. So, yeah, it it. I mean, it's it does seem like a 
bit of an afterthought compared to the others. I mean, obviously, Windrunners and Honor Sprint are so so integral to everything. Um, uh, Witch is a light weaver, um, and Shalana set up so early in the first book, and uh, the Bondsmith is kind of like this, almost like this Uber order. Yes, yeah. I like that. So, yeah. so it, yeah, Uber order. It, it is more, um, it's more prominent um, by nature. Um, whereas Will Shaper, it's like you, you tell me it's the Will Shaper book. I'm like, uh, okay, but but yeah. but, but it's 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 I I agree with everyone that it didn't it didn't quite hit me in 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 the same way. And the powers that the that they share with their um, their related orders, you know, the Else Collars being able to transport, and then the Stone Wards. I mean, those two are so defined as well that like those are the first things that I think of when I think of those powers. Then the Will Shapers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, and even the Else Collars and the Stone Wars, like you, I mean, we, we, we won't be getting the Stone War book for a while, but even what we've seen of Tall, it's like, you know the, what the Stone Wars are. Like, the, the, I mean, even the, the phrase is like, Tall fighting is like the toughest, or the odds of survival are like the lowest. Like, that's where the Stone Wars are, and that's what they are. And well, like, additionally, like, we know a ton about the disposition of the Dustbringers. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of. I, I think that I still think they're pretty cagey. We know they're very about self mastery, but um, probably because of how much destructive ability like division allows them. But I, I don't know if Malata is a is a good barometer for what a dustbringer is supposed to be. Just no, but, I mean, the fact that, um, I think it was Dalinar and Yasna who were having a conversation about, like, yeah, the dustbringer's not too sure if they're going to join the other side or not. Um, but I think that's an indication, and it kind of gives to the disposition similar to the Skybreakers of they're, they're less about um, the heralds and how they're defined, and more, like you said, like self-mastery, it's yeah, more about, point. like, what's best for us. Uh, but again, I, I don't think we can get, we should get too much into that. But I, I think going back to the point of, like, if this was the Will Shaper book, I feel like I know more about the Dustbringers and the Skybreakers than I do about what yeah. Will Shapers were all about. The, 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 I wouldn't say that about the Dustbringers, but the Skybreakers, certainly. I mean, we got, like, big info dump stuff in uh Oathbringer about the like skybreaker i mean like he nail lays out the entire skybreaker for how they progress and like what you mm-hmm. have to do to progress uh like just because all out for us for the audience basically <laughs> uh do we have anything else on character stuff that we want to tackle or touch on gotta I talk do- about Teravangian. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. First, first, wait, real quick. I do want to say I really like Venley's uh, interactions with Relaine. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And Relaine yeah. in general. Yeah, seems like a, a guy who's, who's caught in like a no-win, no-belonging type situation who kind of has to define himself by himself. Um, because that's the only way he's going to get by. That's what and, I got from him. And his future partner, Renarin. <laughs> yes. 
who is totally gay for each other. And we're no, I know, like, it actually is in shipping territory now. No, 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 but Brandon has actually, conf- I think I'm, I'm like 90, like 5% sure Brandon has confirmed that they're going to be a thing. Yes. I'm there for that. So we're into author-induced sh- author shipping now. Um, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, but yes, um, I, I I agree about um, their well, relationship and how he he's kind of her um, her avenue towards the beginning of what might be redemption. Yes, it's, it's, it's necessary um, uh, of like the siblinghood between them is. Um, crucial to her reconciling and reckoning with her with her past um yes, yes. because um he's literally the only only one that she's aware of at that time um who's anywhere remotely like what she what her old life and so he was he was always going to be the conduit i thought yeah no i like that so uh moving that's going to be an uphill battle cuz he's still not 100% forgiven her oh no no, no, no. Yeah. let alone oh. any, everyone that she finds at the end. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel I. I don't know how much we're gonna see of that in book five. Like, I, like I think some of that, like some some listener stuff. It's maybe it's like, well, will we see a lot of it in book five? Because there's a lot that has to happen in book five, and I don't really see us touching on the listener as much, except for it's probably like stuff. what. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, yeah. Stuff, or maybe like listeners or singers that join the radiance. Uh, but yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, but in in regards to Teravangian, um, that is it's it's weird because I don't think he appears anywhere outside of the interludes. Uh, he does. He he is a uh, POV character in part five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But until then, he doesn't. <laughs> until then, yeah, he he's mostly an interlude character, and um, uh, th- this isn't the structure that it had been otherwise. Um, but like in other books, but he is the third, always the third character in the in the interlude, in the interlude, yeah. se- in the given interlude section, and everyone else is there. There are no other repeats. And so it just keeps going Teravangian, and Teravangian. And so that's Sanderson's way of letting us know that he's up to something, that he's heading towards something. And my first instinct was that this was, he was trying to give him as much space as he was able to give him because he was just deteriorating so much um, until he died, until his, his arc came to an end because he, he, was, he, had, he had fulfilled everything, which is why him becoming Odium is one of the best twists I've ever read. Yes. Oh, it, 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 it might be my number one. Like, it might eclipse a couple of Star Wars ones that I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Um, it's, it, uh, well, and structurally, so, there has been an, an, a quote-unquote interlude novella character for each of the books. I think it's, like, like where there was a character that's repeated for all of them. Like, I think it's, like, Risen in Way of Kings. I want to say lift. Yeah, lift is in there. words of radiance, and yeah. then I forget who it is in Oathbringer. But yeah, but yeah, he had not done that with Teravangian. right? Um, but yeah, I the twist is great. The fact that he 
and I agree. Like, I, I, he was when he so he like basically forsakes the diagram in the beginning of the book. And so, John, your point about oh, he's gearing him up for something. I, I, I was confused. I was like, oh, I thought he was gearing him up to maybe kill Odium, like erase in like book five or something. Uh, sort of evil minion turns against his yes. uh, master trope. Yes, yeah, yeah. But this is just <sighs> yeah. After I read it, like the actual scene where he kills Ray's, I I literally sat in my bed. I was like reading for like like five minutes, just going, "Oh my finger, oh my <laughs> like force <laughs> of course. Like, yeah, yes. that over and so, over again." Surprising, but inevitable. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing, like, Teravagnian was, was more concerned with being right than saving the world. And in becoming Odium, he can still be right. And if it means destroying the world, well, hey, but he's still right. Yeah, he, he is, he's perfectly, um, you know, suited to being the vessel in, 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 in sort of both his, um, uh, different embracings of emotion and intelligence um, and just his, his penchant for being above everybody else in one way, shape, or form mm-hmm. um, is really helpful to to that. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, on, like, kind of to, to that note, he, his conversation with Dalinar and, like, I think their big debate of kind of like like Teravagian is basically like no I'm where he's kind of like you need like a leader to I forget yeah basically it's the end, whole ends justify the means debate and Teravagian's like well yeah I'm above again like he's basically thinking that he's above everyone including Dal or most certainly thinks he's correct in that instance but I think that conversation with the two of them is 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 the core debate or and kind of a probably ultimately the, the core tenet of what the Stormlight Archive is about. Kind mm-hmm. of like that, it's, it's, the, it's the journey before destination versus destination before journey d- discussion. Well, it's also interesting to note that um, I think you, Tim, brought up um, Wit's willingness to let Roshar burn mm-hmm. um, to, for, for the larger universe. Yeah. And and Teravage is kind of the opposite. He's like, I will sacrifice the larger sheep to preserve what I can. Yeah. It's, it's, which he would see as more pragmatic, whereas Wit's just like, whatever it takes. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's... Well, and, I, and it'll be interesting to see... So they have that debate. And, well... They'll have uh, basically. We'll get a conclusion of that in the next book, regardless of how it resolves itself. <laughs> yes. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Yeah, this is. It's 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 an interesting. I yeah, I was not expecting um, Terramangian to to go this way at all, and it's very interesting that he's he's in this position, and I feel like. Um, He's the the perfect odium. I really, I really do think so. Even more than oh, the races, like, like I just the whole thing about like exploring possibilities that like 
Reigns didn't even think of. Like, like somebody really, really calculated as Odium is absolutely terrifying. And um, oh yeah, because, that- because book five is supposed to be like what a few days later. Well, that's a whole. Uh-huh. That's a little bit. Like, is book five? Say, does it take place over ten days? Will the contest of champions be on page like a hundred, and then the rest of the book is like oh wow, either the fallout or oh, like, about that. yeah, like the results of that of what happens? I, I have no idea. Yeah, probably the probably the second one more than the first would be my guess. Him Sanderson like he's Sanderson like um, is really big. <laughs> In his writing, but not in a way um, that, say, Robert Jordan is, where he can extract all of this detail out of very, very confined space. Um, it's oh, it, yeah. kind of that was a very yeah. nice way of describing Crossroads of Twilight. Yeah, I don't think we're getting it. <laughs> You're a mind reader. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so I was like. I was just trying to think, how do you, how, how does, where does Teravangian go from here? That's really what I'm, what my main curiosity going into the next book is, is how is, because Teravangian, I'm, I'm sure, has plans for trying to interfere, not just in, in this, well, yeah, just in this realm, because things are probably going to expand more and more, um, just and that was kind of the direction of the series in general was basically to be across the whole um, Cosmere. So I'm very curious as to how Teravangian is going to go from here and Teravangian and Zydekar interactions. I like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to take any of, any of. I'm not sure of that, Um, but I'll tell you what the, the way that um, his uh, unique um, being terrifying as Odium manifested for me was toward, towards the end with Wit. Yeah. And how oh. he found a way to hurt him that, that Ray's never, never even considered because no. just, his mind just didn't go there of just being like, of effectively neutralizing. At least that's the way it seems right now. Taking, oh, I, away, taking away his memory or having the ability to do so selectively uh-huh. is like he's, he's not, how can he be a threat if, if you prevent him from planning uh, based off of the memories that he has? So yeah. that, that was terrifying to me because it's yeah. like he is, he's the, he's the fallback guy. <laughs> he's the one who's, who has the bigger perspective so there's a kind of faith and trust in him and if then we're kind of in the abyss. Now, I, I, I personally agree with that, but I think there is a conversation to be had about, in that scene, did Teravangian play Wit or did Wit play Teravangian? Well, I guess for that, my question would be, would have to be, are, is, a, is a copper mind like a hard drive? Well, it wasn't. Where it just it has, wasn't a like, compromise. It was breaths. Well, I know, I know breaths. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even thinking about breaths in in that sense. But like, like where you store your memories, because I'm sure it's not just breath 
that where his stored his memories in. But like, are does he have backup? That that's basically my my question is: Does Wit have uh, have backup drives? Because if he does, then, that, then that's a different conversation. But if he doesn't, then yeah, this is terrifying. So I, I think we're getting a bit too into like the Cosmere stuff. I'd like to save that for next episode. Okay. Um, I think that's a very good question that I don't know the answer to, but I think I, I want to bookmark that and come back to it in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, 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 I don't want to get too much into Cosmere, too much into Cosmere stuff mm-hmm. right now. So fairly quick, what about, uh, what about Yasna? Oh, just, well, well I, I want to finish up on Teravengian real quick first. Yeah, and, and if I want to, I want to throw something, because this will also lead into to Yasna as well, but going back to that, that final scene, yeah. um, am I the only one that, that views Wit as an antagonist, that he's not a good guy? I, I don't think he's a protagonist, but I wouldn't call him an antagonist. In this, I think it's very contextual. I think it depends on, like, we, we don't know his motives and we won't know his motives for a long time. I, I do think the fact that he bonded a Lightweaver's friend means something. Uh, because, and the fact that, yeah, I, I would not say he's an antagonist, but he's he is most certainly kind of on his own team that for now is that for now is aligning with team protagonists. Well, yeah. And that's, I think that's, that's, well, I feel like that's where this is going is that there's not, I don't know if there's supposed to be any, like, this is the hero or this is the villain of this series. I just ultimately feel like there's going to be many different teams with different um, ideologies based off of where they're from and seeing those go against each other. I agree. In some way. Like, I don't think there's going to be like a, like a very cohesive, like, cause there, there's a lot of people that are both um, within the world and I guess across, well, I, I, I guess I'm the Cosby person, but across the Cosby doing different Thing, so I would not be surprised um, that it's more of a neutral. Here's what everybody believes, and whatever happens. Big bad person right now, right? Yeah, I mean, there's Mervangian, but like he, we, we've known him well enough to know that he's more than that. Yeah, there's no like just like straight up big bad, irredeemable. Why? I, and I, 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 yeah, I think that it will be about different perspectives, but I, but like, he is making, st- he is making statements about, in the very, like, th- these are types of being, this is how you, these are ways to be a good person. Uh, and, and there are certain examples, I think, that he's making of these are ways to be a bad person. Like, right now, Mo- Moash is kind of the best, the, the Moash Kaladin dichotomy and how that interact, like, or parallel is how the, I think the good example of that right now. Uh, I so I think it's more about like there are bad kind of like decisions and things that people can do, and I do think we will end up with a kind of very cohesive statement of sorts that Sanderson is trying to make. Uh, my personal theory for the next book that I am becoming more of a fan of is that Dalinar is going to lose the 
contest of champions, whereas Teravangian is going to put him in a position that would require him to compromise his morals in order to win. And that Dalinar would rather lose and not compromise his morals and become a, like his champion. I would champion. see that, yeah. Uh, like that, I, I don't know totally if that's going to happen, but I, I could definitely see that happening, whereas Dalinar makes the right moral decision like for himself, but he loses the like the the contest and by doing so, uh, well and so and so basically I think that would be the kind of that's I think the kind of thematic thing that Brandon is trying to say about these characters is that like well that's a bad situation but if that's what happens well Dalinard like kind of Dalinard made the right choice for himself and the choice that was consistent with like his character and his ideal. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Um, what did, did you have something else with for Teravangian, Johnny? Uh, that was the one thing. Oh, just like it was another knock on the on the him as terrifying uh, train. The uh, the la- one of the last I think it's actually the last line is and now from, the, from that chapter is and now Teravangian was going to save them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That, yeah, it's just more evidence of the... Uh, that's so scary. <laughs> in, like an, in like an awesome, villainous way. We don't want that. But we also don't know what he now knows. Um, yeah. Because, and and this, this is starting to get a little more into the Cosmere, but... Yes. Um, Odium was being true to his his nature. And if he was being true to his nature and saw something within the Cosmere that his nature said, no, like I need to go in this direction that, that both honor and cultivation were sort of meh about. um, It it stands to reason that maybe there's something going on in the Cosmere that Odium felt, you know, to, to put a fine point on it passionately about that he was just like, no, I got to go do this massive thing. And that requires me to shatter honor and to go, you know, above and beyond because we still don't know so much about the Cosmere. So this is going to sound really crazy, but like, we don't know that Odium is a bad guy in the Cosmere. He's an antagonist. He's portrayed as an antagonist right now. That's true. Yeah, because I don't... Oh, God, Aaron. Well, it's like in the same way that I don't think. I mean, Ruin is like, you know, a. Yeah. I think the difference. Other, is, other, uh, other bad, uh, other quote unquote bad shards, you know. Well, what, it's not like they're, you know, it's just their nature. It's not entirely. Yes. I, I, yeah. I want to put a pin on this because I want to come back to this. Yeah. I think. Th- I'll, I'll I'll say on what I think about this is that I think that the difference with at least with, I'll just say I think with with ODM a lot of it's personal, like it's a more it, it, there is a more more negative like and there's more choice I don't like like the, the, it's it's more personal whereas I guess with Ruin it's not like it just that's what he is, um, whereas with well, yeah. Daniel, because what? ODM is dependent on life 
to uh, and emotion to even exist whereas ruin is really like it, ruin could be without destruction by human beings or by life you could just that's just nature right yeah, like yeah, like that, like like a very cultivationy. Like I, I like cultivation a little more as a how protagonisty is she? Uh, right. Clearly, well, and then going back to the Cosmere, then to kind of circle back to is Teravanian a, a, a like what are his motivations? But careful a little bit with some of the Cosmere stuff. But yeah, yeah, but like we anyone who is a shard is is. You know, this this massive being that is, you know, we don't know how old. And even though honor is a noble trait, this is still someone who is been around since, you know, who knows how long, has who knows what sort of backstory and is responsible for who knows what in in the destroying of who knows what for whatever motivations. There are so many assumptions that could be made about that, but because it has the name honor, because it has the name preservation, because it has the name cultivation, because those are positive traits, we immediately say, oh, well, those are good guys. Yeah. But no. those are all assumptions. So no. same thing said with like Odium and Ruin, it's like we're making assumptions. And, and, mm-hmm. and is Anderson deliberately doing that, saying, Okay, maybe Odium has this has this breadth of knowledge that we don't know, but I want to paint him as the bad guy, or I want the reader to assume he's the bad guy. So now Teravagnian, with with a keener intellect and a fresh perspective on all of that, and being less influenced by the the odium and the passion and the anger that comes with being that shard, Teravagnian is able to say, like, oh wait, this this is how to to meet these goals. And these goals are actually more noble than people might realize. I think that's a good, really good point about assumptions, especially in regards to like odium and cultivation and honor. I think that though that there, I think that there's, I think ultimately like the Radiants are the main characters and Sanderson's writing a story about like, about the Knights Radiant and the be, pr- Proposing, hey, these are people that ultimately people that like you should want to be, or like they're ultimately they are the good guys, so to speak. Like, and and that's complicated, but like these are the people that you're rooting for. Uh, and so I think there are complications, like obviously, like so, like Nail, like in say Way of Kings and Words of Radiance, when he's going around killing all the Radiance. That's kind of the like. Or like that's the example of like kind of honor taken too far, where it's like, like where, yeah, like or kind of honor corrupted, so to speak. Uh, so I think that there's, I think that we're going, we are, we are going, to, we are already seeing and will see examples where like cultivation and honor are not good when taken in a different particular context. We're already but, seeing that with honor, with um, the honor spread and yes, all the difficulties yeah, that we yeah. saw with them yeah yeah like yeah so yeah i think that there's yeah like we're that it's not that black and white but ultimately ultimately the big picture will be like honor cultivation or the people that we're rooting for cultivation might have a more uh, complex understanding of 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 their their good and badness we, they'll ultimately still be the protagonists, is what you're saying, or they'll they'll be yeah. 
side we're rooting for. Yes. Well, cultivation having a lot more question marks around that, though. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially like if depending on like how much destruction terravodium ter- todium like sows, like that, like that's a very like well, cultivation is not good because she kind of well, I don't know. It's an interrelated discussion of well, is and this is a like book five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten question of is if. Odium's worse, or if Teravandian's worse than Ray's, then cultivation's definitely not like that was not a good thing that she did. But it's also within her nature. But I don't, yeah. Uh, um, does yeah, anyone uh, have anything uh, burning um, that they want to make sure they get off their chest? Oh, I want to go. I do want to talk about Yasna. Go ahead. Uh, real quick. Um. Oh, so well, I like really like her relationship with Wit. Uh, she's uh definitely. I think it. She is confirmed to be asexual. Solid ace representation. I was just gonna say. Yeah. Yes. Uh. Oh, I think. Oh, one of the things with the Wit relationship, I feel like she's both in kind of historic... Oh, well, not just Wit, but like with Wit and with Talon and Ash, that she is in both historian heaven and having like a scholastic existential crisis because she can like directly ask the primary sor- like primary sources about mm-hmm. all of her like history questions mm-hmm. that may like dis- either disprove things that... Like it's her scholastic heaven, but also like having a crisis of like, oh, I like, we don't, I don't need to do all this research because they were, they were there. <laughs> uh, just, uh, it's like, this is this too easy? Right. It's going to backpedal into that um, same imposter syndrome as Navani. Right. <laughs> like, this is, I didn't work for this. Yeah. I, I, the fact that wit was willing to be, and I use the word willing very deliberately, was willing to say like, oh yeah, I'll enter a relationship with Yasna, I think speaks volumes of Yasna as as a person, as a character, as a, a, knight's radi- a knight radiant. Um, but, you know, knowing everything that we do about wit, and then wit being able to say like, well, after countless thousands of years, oh yeah, her, she's the person I want to have as a companion. So like that like he gets like he gets it that that speaks well of her exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. it's I mean that is a compliment to her of like yeah. her stature um and w- going back to to her being ace I also really enjoyed that she's still feminine that you know she is is following um the 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 Alethi, you know standards of beauty and has like you know long you know she is she is known and described as beautiful. Uh, so even though she is, you know, non-romantic, she can still be feminine. And I, I really appreciate that that Sanderson had that nuance and was able to acknowledge that. Though a lot of that is um, practical for her games. Oh, yeah. Her political games. Yeah. It's just to, is to um, break the molds in the right ways. And so, and keep them in the ways that aren't really important. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah. yeah, there also could be an element of just like that's just what she wants to do. Yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like the fact that you know she's quote unquote a heretic, 
I feel like that's the biggest cliff to jump off of. So for her to jump off of that cliff, if, if truly her her disposition was, you know, this is just not who I want, how I want to express myself, she would have no problem wearing her hair however she wanted, wearing clothing however she wanted. I think, so I think there's something to be said of picking your battles and knowing when to push boundaries. But the fact that she was a heretic, and th- again, I think that is is the the largest sin that that she could have committed in the in Roshar. Um, I, I think anything below that is is secondary. That being said, I think that she well, and the whole a lot of the stuff with Vornism is being set up to be the very least, if not totally dismantled, then heavily revised, uh, like Dalinar is doing some stuff too. So her heretic status might might not be as heretical or probably won't be as heretical by the end of the series. Uh, like, I'm I just assuming that when... Because I, I, assuming that, like, Voronism will, will have to face, like, the realities of things at some point. Like, the Heralds are actually here and can actually confirm if, like, what Vornism is teaching is, like, what they meant and, and whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that, yeah. Sorry, but... She's just at the head of that change. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, I think that the pick your battles thing is, like, a good one. Well, because she even still uses uh, some of the... Um, like political norm norms to her advantage, like in the scene where I think it's, I think it's Ruthar, the high prince that she kills. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like basically, she uses the political norm to manipulate him into like a position for, uh, like so that she can make an example of him. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is Ruthar. So. Any other burning thoughts, boys? Uh, her battle scene, sorry, uh, Yasta's battle seems cool. Uh, it's interesting that she's looking at it as like a, like almost scholastically, like I like not using it as we would expect, yeah, 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 like, 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 uh, like not, um, trying not to use soul casting when fighting, uh, yeah, which is pretty great. Um, yeah, that's all that's kind of the best I had on that. Uh, right. Another rapid fire thing, just uh, Eshonai's like death scene flashback is awesome. Yeah, um, d- I-, I thought we talked about that. Maybe we didn't. I don't think I don't think we did. If, maybe we did in the first episode. I thought we right? had because I thought that I. Yeah, made I think we did. Yeah. Of, of of is this similar to the Black Aja, where like anyone could secretly be a Night Radiant? We just you know it could like happen at any moment. So I think we had yeah. mentioned that. Maybe we did. Okay, yeah. Maybe we did. Never mind. <laughs> Which my point on that still stands. Like at this point, like, you know, anyone could just say, like, oh yeah, like a sprint started talking to me. I think it well, I think it depends on the order and the spren. Like high sprints are very like uppity and protective of who they choose, like selective of who they choose. Uh, I see what you're saying, but anyways. Um, I don't think there's anything else. 
Yeah, I need, I don't have anything else. Oh, did we want to talk about Ishar? Uh, talk about both I Ishar and the, the, the freaking horror scene. Horror yeah. Show. So. That, that um, went, that, that just like came about. <laughs> yeah. Well, number one, so he's just, well, we, they're all insane, but like he's both insane and like deadly. And that whole scene is just nuts. <laughs> Well, the fact that, like, it, and I think it, it speaks volumes to contemporary times, but, like, he has his moment of clarity, but, like, in his insanity, no amount of proof is going to be good enough for him. Like, the Stormfather could materialize in front of him, yeah, and Ishar would be like, nope, nope, you know, this is just Odium playing a trick on me. Yes, like, Yes, and, and I think you know that just it's so relevant to to modern times. And I don't know whether or not Sanderson you know did that deliberately, but I don't. it's just such a relevant point that you just just it, it typifies what insanity, what indulgence into conspiracy theories, indulgence into um, passion can can lead someone to think. Yeah, like he literally thinks he's God. He thinks he's honor. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's like and like you. I mean, the Stormfather does manifest it like in front of him when like Dalinar, uh, like I forget like, what exactly Dalinar does. I think he opens a perpendicularity, but like he does. Yeah. Uh, like so, the Stormfather kind of technically does manifest, and he's like, "Oh yeah, like you're yeah you're no because that that gives him that moment of clarity." Um, the moment of clarity, I think, technically comes from Navani saying her oath. Um, for yeah, Ishar? For Ishar? Yes. Because I, I, think, I think that that technically, like, what gives him the moment of clarity. Uh, yeah, I didn't catch I, that. That was not... It's not... I, it's not... I, I'm not, like, 100... I'm, like, 90% sure just because of, like, reading stuff about it. Not that I picked up on that. Uh, and maybe that's not totally correct, but but I'm, like, pretty sure it is. Uh, mm. I mean, it's, it's so... The, just when he grabbed... Uh, yeah, this is kind of a stream of consciousness, but, like, him just basically looking at Dalinar's connection with the Stormfather and going, oh, that's mine now. I want it. Mm -hmm. And he starts stealing it. <laughs> Because he can, <laughs> which is also like, like man, like an honor, like his bondsmith without the checks of like the oath, just like oh boy. Well, because I guess, um, would it be like Ishar is the bond? He can manip. He can manip. Uh, no, well, it's, it's it's the honor blade that like gives him the surges. And whatever Harold stuff, whatever base Harold abilities he has that are unclear. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we can get a little more into that in the next episode with the magic. But and then someone or someone want to talk about the uh, the horror scene. <laughs> Oh, just, I mean... It, is this the experiment, like, going yes. in his tent? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the, um... 
I don't know, trying to make regular people spren or, it's, or just as if they were spren. Um, it's, it's the opposite. So he, he's trying to bring make spren, spren to the real world. Yes. Like, can they survive? No, I, I, I'm just describing what the effect is. Oh, yes. Or like you have this um, warped sense of like, it, you know, if, if, if you have a cartoon that you're watching on TV and then suddenly it like they, they make it live action. That just oh, kind yeah. of uncanny yeah, valley. That's, that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. OK. Then, yeah. That's a good, um, good yeah. way to think about it. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Um, like, like some of the other heralds. Well, he he's basically just trying to leave Roshar. Uh and like uh his status as like a cognitive like Kalak, his status as like a cognitive shadow makes that very difficult for him. And so he thinks that like, oh, if he can get into a different body then he can leave, basically. All of these actions being being driven by just puppeteering fear. That's how much control that it has over these heralds because of what oh, they've yeah. been through um, mm-hmm. is really visceral. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, like, even in general both with, like, him and Collect and with Nail, like, earlier like, or, or, well, still, but, like, in particular earlier on in the series. Uh, yeah, it's pretty effective. <laughs> uh, anything else? I do. We should talk about. Yeah, and we we'll make sure we do uh, like predictions or speculation next time. But we we can get into some of that with Cosmere stuff. Huh? Uh, anything else? All right. I think so. Um, All right. Well, this has been our second Rhythm of War uh, episode. Uh, We will most most likely be doing just one more. Maybe most likely be doing just one more. uh, Discussing more of the magic stuff on some of the uh, Cosmere implications uh, and the epigraphs because we haven't even touched on those yet. uh, Largely because they are very Cosmere. Some of them are very Cosmere connected or entirely because we're connected but anyways uh so this is again rhythm of war part two for us we are your hosts john or johnny <laughs> yeah that's you um uh, and, john. and guest star tim and guest star Aaron. and thanks for listening mm-hmm.